Entrepreneurs often have similar characteristics. Energy, passion, vision. But why do some soar to success while others struggle to climb? Less than 2% of women-owned businesses in North America ever achieve a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Why is that? And how do we dramatically increase that number? Welcome to Breakthrough with your host, Sarah Roach-Lewis. Sarah offers conversations with the ambitious women entrepreneurs in that 2% to help you break through. Now, here is Sarah Roach-Lewis. Well, hello, ambitious one. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough. Breakthrough is a show for women who are ready to grow their business to the next level. You may have a bold or secret desire to hit the million dollar mark and beyond in your business. You may be well on your way or just starting out. Regardless, this show is for you. Before I introduce you to our guest today, I want to tell you a little bit about the place where we both live. Prince Edward Island is a tiny island on the east coast of Canada. It is a beautiful place to live. We're basically a giant sandbar with miles and miles of sandy white beach. We're 150,000 people, and yet we welcome more than a million visitors a year. Our history and culture are defined by hardworking fishers and farmers, close-knit families, and Anne of Green Gables. Perhaps you've seen the Netflix show, Anne with an E, or you remember the television series featuring Megan Follows in the 1980s. Anne is our most famous, albeit fictional, resident. Written by Lucy Ma Montgomery and published more well over 100 years ago, it's been translated into more than 25 languages. Anne is a beloved character to many, including me. If you haven't read it, please do. It tells the story of a bold and unconventional orphan whose wild imagination and stubborn nature makes life challenging and interesting for her adoptive family. I could have a whole discussion about what Anne could teach us about entrepreneurship, but instead, I'm going to introduce you to Lucy Maud's direct descendant, Julia Campbell. Julia is the co-owner of several family businesses, which she's going to tell us all about today, including a clothing boutique, a wholesale business where they sell their own clothing line, and if that's not enough, the family also owns the Anne Green Gables store. So welcome, Julia. Hi, good morning. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being here. And let's just jump in. Tell me about these family businesses and tell me what it's like to be part of a family business. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I grew up in a family business, so it's um, it's literally been my whole life. Um, my father and grandmother started the Anne of Green Gables Museum which is where the author of Anne of Green Gables, Lucy Ma Montgomery, spent quite a bit of time growing up. She was married there. And so they opened the museum in the early 70s. Uh, my father and mother were married shortly after. She was, my mom was always uh, a huge part of our family business. And I mean, since then, we, since my father and grandmother opening the museum, we now have uh, four retail locations through the Anne of Green Gables stores, we still own and operate the museum. We wow. also have a wholesale business that we feed through our retail stores called Kindred Spirits Wholesalers. We also have um, Gems Boutique, which is a ladies' um, fashion, clothing, fashion, and accessory boutique. And most recently, I guess six years ago, we started producing our own clothing line called Go To Clothing. And that's kind of more um, my mother Maureen and I. 
And so as you were kind of saying in your intro in PEI, uh, we're just kind of coming to the end of the, of the wild and crazy tourism season. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> you have this amazing, I mean, there's so much to talk about there. Um, but tell me now, have you always been a part of this family business? Yeah, so growing up, I was always part of the business. I mean, it certainly wasn't, I, I, looking back, I loved it, but it, it wasn't by choice. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two parents who worked uh, day and night uh, at, at the museum, it was just, I mean, that was, that was where we spent all of our time growing up. And then I lived away from Prince Edward Island for about 12 years. I did um, some serious globe trotting, uh, kind of various jobs that took me literally all over the world, like kind of over, I think I've done over like 60, 60 different countries visited. Um, Yeah. So spent a lot of time in in different cultures and amazing places. And then uh, in 2012, I made my way back to Prince Edward Island and rejoined the family business. So, um, I mean, anybody can can attest if you've lived away from Prince Edward Island, coming home is excellent uh, and very heartwarming, but it's also a really big transition. Um, You know, it's, uh, as you said, it's an island of 150,000 people. And I was really lucky to, and and what really grounded me, and I think uh, enabled me to stay here, was the fact that I had a job to come home to. So I was very lucky that way. And then my progression through uh, into the family business, you know, when I, there was a lot going on personally for me whenever I moved home. So there was kind of that whole adjustment of reacquainting myself with, with Prince Edward Island as a, as a full grown adult. And, um, and then probably I would say about a year and a half to two years in, I really um, just started feeling more desire to become a bigger part of the business, um, you know, look for different ways that we could expand and and yeah, that I guess that kind of led to where to where we are today with Go To Clothing and 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 Gems Boutique. Sure. So tell me then a little bit about um, <clears throat> about Gems and Boutique. Which one happened first? Was it the Boutique? Yeah. So my mom my mom opened Gems in mm-hmm. two thousand. We had our eleven year anniversary this past August. Wow. That's so amazing. yeah. So I was actually away for the first six years of of Gems life. I mean, I I came home to visit. And then I moved back home and my mom, I mean, we kind of were joking originally that she's semi-retired. She's kind of, um, she, she is retired now. She still helps out with, with the clothing line. She's certainly the designer uh, between the two of us and has a great attention to detail when it comes to design, um, sewing, and how garments look on lots of different bodies. And um, so we had been traveling to the Canton Fair, which is in Guangzhou, China, about an hour north of, of Hong Kong for the wholesale business uh, through Kindred Spirits Wholesalers, which is, we now have, I mean, I think we've got about 500 SKUs plus that we sell throughout our own stores wow. as well to quite a few different vendors, uh, primarily in the Atlantic provinces. And so my parents have been traveling to China, um, got 15, 15 to 18 years at, at that point. And so we were traveling and then never really thinking about the whole garment industry that's going on in Guangzhou. It's one of the largest centers globally for, for textiles. And when we kind of found out about that, I took a couple days uh, when we were at the, the Canton Fair to kind of check out this, this city of, of fabric. And I've been through a lot of different experiences in my life. I wouldn't say that I'm somebody, somebody who's easily overwhelmed, but 
the experience of going to these different markets was just so overwhelming. The scale at which uh, these, you know, you go into a fabric market, there's thousands of booths. There's no rhyme or reason to where any, you know, it's like cotton's over here and, you know, chiffon is over here. Um, So we navigated the market at that stage. And then the next time we went back, we went back for three weeks and, we're also met with with quite a few challenges. We didn't really have a colleague at that point who was um, able to able to interpret for us, and we met quite a few people when we were over there, kind of looking at us with like we had a hundred heads. Like, what are you doing <laughs> over here, trying to produce a clothing line uh, with kind of at that point really no rhyme or reason? Anyway, we we succeeded and didn't really. Um, I mean, we were feeding the line through gems exclusively at that point. Sure. And um, I mean, scale on, on international production, it was a bit, very, very small line. So we weren't really sure if we would continue it or not. And that was six years ago. So we've made some great relationships. We've navigated the system over there. Um, we navigate it now a lot more efficiently. Now when we travel, we travel for five or six days. I have a young family, so um, it's really important to me not to be away for too long. So we do a lot more in-between production um, you know, a lot more video calls, but really now when we go to, we just, we've been dealing with the same factory for our clothing line for three years now. So really it's uh, quality control, but also just being very transparent with our customers about where we're producing, what the factory looks like, um, who the workers are, and just making sure that everything is um, up to speed when it comes to um, equality in the, in, in the workplace. So, what about this completely chaotic market that is the most overwhelming place that you've ever been made you think, hey, let's design a clothing line? Yeah, yeah. Suckers for punishment, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, when we went when we went back for that for that three week trip, I mean, it was filled with, I mean, every emotion I think that I've ever I've I've ever experienced. Um, you know, you we got so far down a pipeline and then realized that there was. I, I think the biggest learning lesson for us at that point was that we definitely needed somebody, a colleague who was, who could speak both English and Chinese. There was a lot lost in communication. I mean, my parents have been dealing with, with different uh, producers and factories in China for 15 years. And even through those 15 years, there's always, um, I mean, we, we had an Anna Green Gables, uh, one of the dolls that we, was, I mean, probably five years into production, they sent a prototype of an Anna Green Gables doll that had, that had blonde hair. And I mean, you would think you would think that you know that would be the first thing that we um, that people would understand that Anna Green Gables certainly has red hair. So even you know the most obvious things uh, definitely don't need to be the most obvious things can still be overlooked. So mm. quality control and uh, attention to detail is so important when you're dealing with um, you know when you're dealing with work colleagues and production that is uh, you know a twelve hour flight away. You know, that's such a, such an interesting thing. I want to pick up that thread because regardless of whether you are, um, you know, creating a clothing line and, and having to deal with uh, to do business in a different language, but this idea that obvious things can be overlooked, how do you mitigate, mitigate for that? I, I often say that, you know, it's the details that are going to kill me. Um, so how have you figured out over the years to to manage those you know the obvious things that can be overlooked 
Yeah, I think it's really just, uh, you know, always coming back to, we, initially it was just my mom and I, we did everything. We did um, every single detail, you know, every single color choice, every single fabric swatch, because that was our original idea of going was that we, I mean, and we still do, we handpick every single fabric that we, that we use in our, in our production. And I think involving more people was definitely uh, a way that we found to, to make sure that that process was happening exactly as we wanted to, because no matter how great your attention to detail is, there is always something that can be overlooked. And as, as you mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, it can often be the obvious things that you think that somebody's just going to understand. So bringing another, um, we've brought our manager from, from Gems into a lot of the, um, a lot of the production, a lot of the decision-making and, and then honestly, we actually get, we, we get family members too. Like whenever we get in our prototypes, We'll have um, my sister, my aunts, my cousins come over and they try them on. They feel the fabric and we just get feedback from people who are, you know, going to be our, our potential customers. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that's really helped in, in the process, kind of opening it up um, to make sure that we're getting the feedback from the people who are inevitably going to be going to be purchasing, going to be our, our clientele. Sure. So as you think back, as you reflect on this path that you've been on in terms of, you know, growing your business to this multiple seven figure place now, are there particular times when you think back that there were sort of those moments of, okay, now we need to level up. Now we need to take this to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple different, uh, points that I can I can make on this certainly when we had been designing go-to clothing and it was almost like a secret I mean we were designing it we were feeding it through gems we weren't really sure if we were going to continue it or not Um, the decision to really expand our wholesale line up our production create wholesale accounts and really kind of go after um, the the idea behind it which was that we would be able to you know feed into a lot of different retail stores and then own what it was own that we were producing overseas, um, be super transparent about that. And that was a really big moment, I think, for, for both of us, for me especially, um, in being able to just talk about it with people as opposed to kind of hiding the fact that we were doing it, was it going to continue, you know, making that bold decision to say, we're going to do this and, and let's go forward. And the other point for me uh, in, in my personal life would have been I had uh, my Children are now three and two years old. I had them 15 months apart. And that was really around the time that I had decided to take a bigger part in the business and the direction of the business. And, you know, what, you know, kind of having this idea to, to be able to 10 times the business. Um, so then I really got very, very particular about uh, work and, and really presence being present when I was working and being present when I wasn't working and really having a division of, because I find when I try to do both, uh, I'm, I'm not overly, <laughs> it doesn't really work well when I'm trying to work and, and be at home. Um, so really kind of laying out time on a daily basis that I have no distractions, no phone, you know, and I'm looking at the 10 times model that I want to grow and just, you know, essentially doing all the things that you don't want to do. You know, it's really digging in. Um, I love my job. I love so many different things about it. But really to grow, you have got to get so uncomfortable 
And so it's really digging into those uncomfortable those uncomfortable things that you know are maybe not in your in your wheelhouse, but that you have to do and executing. Yeah. We're going to go to commercial in just a minute, but I just want to kind of pull up on that thread again. And one of uh, one of the things that you had mentioned there is this idea about getting on um, about being uncomfortable. And does that ever go away or do you just become more uncomfortable about different things? I would definitely say you just become uncomfortable about different things. And that right there, I mean, that is growth. I mean, I think about the things that I was uncomfortable with even, even six months ago, you know, and, and that, you know, there's still a little bit of uncomfortableness there. um, But you always want to be striving towards new things that make you uncomfortable for sure. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, eh? I, I, I'm, I've spent a lifetime working with women to make changes in their lives. And, um, we always talk about being comfortable with discomfort and that's really easy to say, but it's not always easy to actually do. So I'm going to lead us off into a commercial break. And when we come back, I do want to sort of continue to pick up on that thread. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach-Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. It's Sarah Roach-Lewis, and I am thrilled to be here with my guest, Julia Campbell. Julia is uh, the owner of a number of businesses, including Gems Boutique and the Anne of Green Gables store. Julia, before we went into break, we were talking about this idea of being, um, of living with discomfort. So I'm curious, was one of the reasons, um, you know, when, when you talked about having this line, but not really talking about it in the beginning, was that um, a bit of a protective factor in terms of, you know, one of those places of not sure whether you want to continue with this. So if we don't talk about it, then it's not as much of a big deal. 100%. Oh my gosh. Like that's it. And also there, I mean, the protective part of if it doesn't work out and nobody knows about it, then nobody will know if it doesn't work out. Right. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was just thinking as before we went to break that, I really have a, a, a personal goal of mine to be uncomfortable every single day. If I'm not in a little bit of discomfort about something that I'm doing every single day, then um, I, not that I consider it a failure by any means, but it really is a goal 
get uncomfortable every single day. And what does that look like for you? What does this discomfort look like? Yeah, typically um, it looks like exposure. It looks like asks, you know, asks of, um, you know, trying to grow the wholesale business. Um, I mean, asks can be so many, so many different things within our business. It's, you know, going for a run, which I don't like to do, but I love the feeling afterward and thinking I'd really like to walk right now and maybe running, you know, an extra couple of minutes. Um, And because that also gives me an internal discomfort to do that. But I know that I can. Um, So I I find really it's not uh, putting my phone away when my kids get home in the afternoon and not touching it for three hours. That's also discomfort for me. Uh, I know there's messages coming in. I know there's emails I could be answering, but really uh, it's a discomfort feeling for me to be able to turn off, but I know that I should do it. So there's a load, there's for me loads of different ways that it happens during the day. Um, But I truly believe that the things that I'm in discomfort over are only going to help me. Perfect. So when we think about this idea, you know, you, you talked about your kids a couple of times and your kids are still little, you're in like the labor intensive years. Um, and what does that, you know, sort of, I think what I find interesting is this idea about women in business and how we do things differently in many ways because we need to. And what I love is you know, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about this idea about being present. So being present at work and being present at home, that is not always easy. So how have you been able to sort of stretch that presence muscle over the last number of years? Right. Um, I go to yoga. I've been doing, I've had a, a pretty active yoga practice now for about 16 years. And that certainly helps me practice being present. Um, I have a great partner. My husband, Brendan, certainly understands where I am with my business now, where I want it to go. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of discussions as to how I'm going to be able to get that really focused time at work so that I can be focused with my kids. But I mean, with a three and two year old, I mean, there's, there's hiccups every single day, obviously. Of course. I mean, you, you, you can't avoid them. Uh, when my kids need me, they need me doesn't matter what's going on with my with my work world and so I think you just I I really try to take it in stride try not to be too hard on myself and you know realize that they are this age for such a short amount of time and um and yeah just really lean on the people who you know lean on my husband um lean on you know my family members who help out with them so much to be able to get those you know laser focused times ticked off daily, you know, that's really, mm. really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And so we had just had a, a brief conversation before we started recording. Tell me about that, um, you know, that you've sort of been able to find the sweet spot of when, when you are really effective at working. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a morning person, I always have been. And so a couple mornings a week now, my husband who doesn't work in Charlottetown, he will stay in and he drops the kids off at daycare. So essentially we get up between five 30 and six and I'm in my office at 6am with coffee and water. And I close the door and know that whatever's happening downstairs (laughs) is going to be dealt with. So that's, that's been massive for me. Um, It's basically two mornings a week, but I know that I had that kind of office time to really, you know, pinpoint and focus on the things that, I have on that week, 
Um, so yeah, recognizing that about myself, that that is kind of my time to shine. And um, also recognizing that as, you know, we mentioned it earlier, you know, past 1, 2 p.m., I'm, I'm not great for, for critical thinking. So in order to scale, I think recognizing your, your assets, like, like mentally, where you shine the most and then really hone in on, on grabbing that time because focus time, I mean, a couple hours of focus time I can get, I mean, I feel like I can conquer the world, right? <laughs> As opposed to, you know, six to eight hours of, of, of trying to multitask. And I mean, everybody has to multitask, whether you're a mom or not. Um, multitasking is just, is just part of life. But if you, I think really scaling your business, there's that, you know, couple hours per day, whatever you need per week. And then however you divide it up. Uh, but that, that critical thinking has to happen. You know, the time away from your business where you're not in it, you're, you're, you're looking in on it. Amazing. And I think, you know, that is, um, it's often a challenge for people to, to be able to pull back and spend that time working on their business to be looking at what is that strategy? What is the planning that we need to do in order to execute on this? Because as you, you're talking about, you know, you're still, you're in a, you're on a path to 10 X your business. And so when we, what has been helpful for you in terms of finding that ability to pull back, focus on the business rather than the day-to-day what needs to happen within the business? Yeah, I think for me it was, it was a realization that um, you, certainly, you certainly can't do everything and you certainly can't be good at everything. So really pinpointing what it is that I'm good at, what, um, you know, what I bring to the business and how I personally want to be able to 10 times that business. And as an entrepreneur, um, you know, you, you literally have to do everything. And so scaling can be really difficult trying to navigate, you know, who you get to do what. But I think if you really take the time to figure out what you're best at um, and hone in on that, then taking the things that you're, <laughs> that you're the worst at, um, which can be a really difficult thing to do, as I said, I mean, with, with, with time, with money, with, with resources, but um, it's, it's pretty, pretty integral, I think, if you, if you want to be able to scale. And so that time for me is really, what do I do best and how am I going to do more of it? Great. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really interesting because um, – I spend so much time talking to my clients about how the most important thing that you need to do in your business is radically focus. You know, it's that radical focus is the most important thing. And so as I was um, preparing for this and thinking, uh, there's so many things happening at once. Um, but what I'm hearing from you is, you know, you have these you have these number of businesses and the way that you manage that is by really you know, really focusing deeply on one at a time. Absolutely. And I would say the other thing that goes hand in hand with that and as equally as important would be um, the people who, who you work with, your team. We have an amazing team. Uh, you, do, you do have to let people in. It's so hard to let go of, of that control. Um, but again, when you're talking about scaling your business, you absolutely have to let people in. Um, you know, the ones it's, it's not, it's not always going to work. You know, we have in, in the summertime when we're, when we're full on in our, in our tourism season, we have, we have 50 employees. Um, 
you know, navigating that in itself is a full-time job. So, but getting the team members who understand your vision, uh, you know, really understand your business and where you want to go, I feel has also really, really helped us uh, progress to where we are today. And so how have you been able to do that? So obviously, uh, you know, you've got a management team that's helping out. Um, Do you get together, you know, on a quarterly basis or do you do some sort of planning where you're able to really communicate what that vision is for, for the business? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're, we are, we are a family business. Uh, My father and my brother are both very actively involved. So, I mean, for us, it's, it's a weekly meeting. Um, and that weekly meeting it can involve loads of different things, but I say probably once every three to four weeks, we try to have a really strategic meeting where, as I mentioned before, we're looking in on the business and then where do we think that we can expand? And then if we're going to expand, how are we going to do that? Because, uh, there's only so many hours in the day, we all have full plates and then it's just realigning that focus of what we should be working on and maybe who we need to bring into the equation to allow us to be able to get to where we want to go whenever, whenever we talk about scaling. Sure. So you did mention, uh, you know, a couple of times that this is a family business. Um, I am very curious about that. So I actually run (laughs) a small family business with my husband. We run a tuna charter business and the lines are so clear. I take care of the land. He takes care of the sea. Love it. (laughs) But I'm I'm curious, you know, do you as a family, is this just sort of part of everything or do you try and keep some boundaries there? What does that look like? Yeah, it's really interesting. We, we all, I mean, so we all grew up in this, in this business. Um, My parents, you know, did it together for 40 years. And I would say we are, we actually get along really, really well. It's, uh, I think people are, are kind of surprised. My parents took us all to uh, China for almost a month in 2008. Uh, they had been producing overseas at that point for probably eight or nine years. And my brother was starting to get involved in the business. Um, my sister and I weren't, weren't quite there and I was traveling at that point, but they just wanted to take us there and I think show us kind of what was, what was going on. And I remember at the end of that trip, we traveled to... I feel like six, five or six different cities. And I remember my father say at the end of that trip, you know, if, if we're all still friends now, um, then, <laughs> then we should be friends forever. Um, but we, we constantly check in with each other. We actually, the last meeting we had, you know, we said for the next meeting, we need to write down uh, our job descriptions because they are forever changing. And I think mm-hmm. staying aligned with, what our job descriptions currently are, what they should be, what we would like them to be, and and staying and also recognizing that um, the three of us we have very different work methods. We, um, you know, our our day to day looks extremely different, uh, but finding the time to get together because without the meetings, and I mean, in the summertime, I'm not going to lie, it's 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 really tough. Like when I moved home. Six years ago and joined the family business, my dad said, I, I joined in May. So we were going into a busy tourism season. And he said to me, this is going to be like jumping onto a speeding train. And indeed it was. And every summer, you know, no matter how prepared you are and how yeah. hard you work in the off season, I mean, it, it is. That, and that's what PEI is during the summer for so many people. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, continually meeting. And you know, people don't have time for meetings, but 
having the time to meet with your team is absolutely, I would say, one of the most important things that we have done for our business. Absolutely. Fair enough. That is, that is really great. I love that. And I love to hear that you guys are all friends. We're still friends. Well, mm-hmm. and you know, there's so much trust. There's so much trust that you there need is. to have in order to, um, to be in business with someone else. And so I think sometimes, you know, family businesses can be complicated, but there is something to be said for someone who knows your history and knows who you are and loves you unconditionally. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we, we do, we do kind of have, have a rule with, with bigger decisions and it's certainly come up uh, several times is that if two people agree on something and one person doesn't, uh, then, then that that person can get vetoed. So, I mean, you know, it, it can be smaller decisions, but on, on the bigger decisions, it has come down to, um, you know, a couple different times when somebody was feeling super strongly about something, but if they don't have the, I mean, blessing for lack of a better word of, of the other two, then, um, then it needs to be reconsidered. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Nice to have those little things too, isn't there? So, you know, I'd love to, we're going to go to commercial in a couple of minutes, but before that, I'd love to hear from you um, what mentorship has looked like for you in your business. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I first came home and joined the business, I never had really even thought of of mentorship or, or what that looked like. I mean, I was always involved um, you know, I was involved heavily in sports. I was involved heavily in music and, you know, through that always had some type of coach. Um, and so I would say after about 18 months, I was introduced to, um, Eleanor Beaton, who's a, yeah, yeah. You know, Eleanor. Eleanor's amazing. She is, she is. And I went to one of her million dollar message, uh, retreats in Ontario and was kind of just beyond inspired by her, by the women who who were at that conference and signed on to do a year of coaching with her, which was amazing. I took so much from that year, uh, mostly I would say with with marketing um, and positioning and, uh, you know, the idea of preeminence, you know, being, mm-hmm. being the only kind of person in your, the only type of business within your category and then how you do that, how you stand out. Um, learned a ton. I'm actually just signed on to a new coaching program called strategic coach, which uh, Dan Sullivan is the uh, owner and operator of that. There's, I mean, several coaches now they, they coach all over North America. Um, I'm very inspired by coaching and mentorship. And while, you know, coaching uh, on an annual basis can be, it certainly doesn't come without a cost. Just constantly reading, constantly reading about people who have scaled their business, about women in business, you know, um, I kind of became addicted to to read. And while I don't have a lot of time to do it, I do it before I go to bed. I plug my phone in downstairs and um, I do it before I go to bed and and just kind of constantly being inspired, you know, making sure that when I am on social media that my feed is filled with people who who have done what I want to do. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that, that for me is – and constantly trying to surround myself with people who have um, – done what I want to do. I always want to be surrounded by people who have who have gone gone further than me. Hold that thought. We're going to go to commercial and we'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. I'm Sarah Roach-Lewis, and I'm here with my guest today, Julia Campbell. Julia and I were just chatting a little bit about, uh, you know, sort of that importance of mentorship um, and the ways in which you can find that. So whether it's a coaching program or whether it's, uh, you know, just being able to find and and take the time to read some of those books. Julia, tell me, um, are there times when uh, you've had the opportunity to provide mentorship as well? What does that that look like for you? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, really the, when I did the program with, with Eleanor and really kind of dove into my business and, and why I was doing it, you know, why I was happy doing it and what allowed me to become even happier um, about it was, was kind of the cause, you know, being in, in retail, uh, initially I kind of thought, you know, what, what, what can be behind this? You know, what deep meaning could be behind retail and, and what I found, uh, specifically in gems of working in gems is and what kind of our new uh i don't want to say new business model but but essentially the new kind of motive behind gems is confidence and women and confidence um it would be shocking to most what we hear on a day in a day out basis uh the way that women speak to themselves sometimes the way that women speak to each other and in my opinion and what i've seen through the store in my personal experience is that it is due to uh, a lack of confidence and that can you know be that can come from so many different things but what my mission is is to is to is to change that and make a shift in the way that women see themselves because if you are confident within yourself and you have a good uh, self i mean this is this is you know this isn't rocket science but it's really practicing the act of what being confident means and uh, I think just trying to, to shake down some of the ideas that women have behind confidence, because confidence is not arrogance. They're two very different things. I think they mm-hmm. can kind of get, get caught up in the, um, under, under the same you know, umbrella. They're not. And the more confident you become as an individual, um, the more likely you are to be, able, to be able to empower somebody else to become confident. So we really... Um, look at the way that we speak to our customers. We really are mindful about the way that our customers speak about themselves. And so really every day that I am in GEMS is a way for me to empower and instill confidence in the clientele that we have coming through the door. And, you know, people, people look at you when you say to them, you know, 
you look fantastic or like, you know, show them a part of themselves that is amazing. And they stand there and they're like totally in shock, but then they see it. So, um, with, with women and, and style and fashion and that whole industry, I mean, there is so, so much that, um, so many things that women have to look at that isn't, isn't normalized. You know, what, what we see typically on TV, in magazines, in media is not normal. <laughs> so really trying to break down um, how we can empower and instill confidence in, in all of our customers is really the, the driving force behind GEMS and, and go-to clothing right now. That is really beautiful. I love that idea about practicing the act um, of confidence, like practicing that. So as we're talking about, you know, some of those things around, um, around women, I, one of the things that I find really interesting is for women in business, what are those, can you think of ways in which, or do you think that um, being a woman has been a positive impact in your business? And have there been those times as well when you think, oh, for God's sake, this wouldn't be happening if I were a man? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally to both. Um, I mean, for me, I was very lucky to be raised in a family where there were no boundaries on whether you were male or female, as far as what, what you could do and what your successes look like, look like, could look like. Um, so I was very, very lucky in, in growing up in a, in a home like that. So I've always had that type of confidence instilled in me. Um, but since, you know, moving home and being in, in a more business, business-minded world. Um, I have had, you know, times where I'm in a meeting with my brother and my father and am totally overlooked or, you know, say something and I'm, you know, nobody's even, nobody's even looking at me, but I'm over here like, sure. <laughs> I'm the one, <laughs> I'm the one making the point um, or I'm the one speaking or, or I'm the one, you know, telling you, uh, you know, sharing what, what is actually going on here. Um, and for me, really, what that just did was open my eyes to, you know, what a lot of other women are dealing with, because I would say that was, you know, extremely small scale. Um, but the more, you know, the more we do scale our business, the more I become involved, uh, the more I see both sides. You know, I see um, a lot of people who are working really hard to create equality. And I also see, um you know, people who are, in my opinion, a few steps behind. And and it, it doesn't, I'm, I am lucky that I'm a confident person because it doesn't really, not to say that it wouldn't bother me for a few seconds, but really that's it. You know, I know myself, um, I know what I know. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get shaken by somebody who, who tries to, you know, step on that, disrupt that. Um, it might be a few seconds, but, you know, you jump back on the train, you keep going. Sure. And is that something that's evolved over the years or have you always just sort of had this innate level of confidence? I would say that I've been a confident person uh, my whole life, but I mean, there's layers of confidence, right? I mean, I struggled with my, you know, coming back to gems, you know, kind of the whole, the whole body image and confidence. I struggled with my own body image and confidence for years and still do. But I think what has changed for me and what has changed in my confidence level, you know, and continues to change over the years is that, I still get rattled. Um, you know, I still have those moments, but they are, they're fewer and further between and they are also a lot shorter. 
it's a lot easier for me to, as I said before, to jump back on the train, to jump back on the horse, um, because I know, I know what I know. I know, <laughs> I know what I don't know, but when I yeah. know what I know, it is, it is, it's a lot more difficult to, 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 to phase me now. And, and it, it'll constantly be a work in progress. And I know that. Um, and, you know, we all have days, we have moments, we have days, but I refuse to have weeks. Do you know what I mean? And I think uh, for me, that's a whole combination of things that's, you know, tuning into my physical health, my mental health, um, you know, all the things that are, you know, my family, the things that are really important to me and making sure that I'm, I'm allowing the time that it takes. Because that's one thing. I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, you are constantly running. You can be constantly, constantly running. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, you know, burnout is real. And although you have no time, you need to, to, to take the time for yourself. It is so, so integral to being able to make those big decisions, to be at those bigger tables. Um, if you don't take care of yourself, then you, you, really, you really don't have it. Like you, you, you will struggle if you don't take care of yourself. You know, it is so fascinating. I was, um, yesterday is kind of a great example of that. It was actually a beautiful day. And we are at the end of, you know, we're coming to the end of the beautiful days where you can go outside in a t-shirt. <laughs> and I decided to go for a walk. And, you know, really, uh, it's a, just a busy time in my business right now. And I was going for a walk on the beach. And I, I had this a bit of an internal dialogue about, um I really should just go to my office and work. <laughs> and then I just thought, you know what? This is actually the most important thing that I need to do right now. And it it does take a lot of time, I think, to, or I don't know, sort of those reinforced messages that we can't pour from an empty cup. We need to, we need to take care of ourselves. And as entrepreneurs, it is kind of like being in school, you know, being in university where there's never really any downtime. You can always be doing something more. You can always be doing something else. And so, you know, figuring out those ways to just stop and and prioritize yourself i think those are those um ongoing challenges 100 percent. and i mean we you know you can we aren't machines and machines even need a break um mm-hmm. so i i totally agree with you and it's the the stillness and you know those <laughs> those are the most difficult things to do the most difficult things to do are to stop to be still to take the break um, because as an entrepreneur, you're, you're constantly thinking about um, productivity. And when you stop and you're still or you're not doing, um, it can, it's very easy to see that as being unproductive. But really, it's those times that allow you uh, to, to come back. And th- those, those are the times that you, you, will, you will have the most productive, productive thoughts. So you had talked a little bit about, you know, some of those books that you are reading. Um, is there a particular book that you keep going back to or one that you're reading right now that you find really inspiring? Yeah, gosh, I mean, I've, I've, read, I've read a lot in the past year. The one that I've been coming back to um, the most would be the, the 10 Times um, Model. And it's, it's, it's a short book. Um, 
and that yeah that's the one that i've been that i've been opening up probably the last the last two weeks and just kind of reading and then rereading um just getting really familiar with the type of talk that is around that and the type of mindset that is that is around that um and i you know hopefully if i if i keep reading it i find too the good books that i read and the books that really mean something to me i reread you know books that i've yeah like two two or three times or just open it up randomly and you know read read excerpts from books because i i find um mindset for me has been everything and the more i read about where I want to go, or as I said earlier, about the people who have done the things that I want to do, um, that type of thinking just becomes normal after, after, um, over time. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing. Um, I, there's a great quote, um, that is, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that's so important. It's part of why I'm doing this radio show. You know, we're really at this place where, only 2% of women-led businesses have achieved million-dollar milestone and beyond. And part of, part of this motivation is exactly what you're looking for in that book. When we want to take things to that next level, we need to find the people that are, have already done that, even if they're just a little bit further down that path. Mm-hmm. But finding those people that have already done it I, I think there's so much about that. And part of it really is just knowing that it can happen. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And that for me has really changed over, over the past couple of years. Um, I, I don't wonder anymore about, you know, where I'm going with the business, what I want to do. I, I know where I'm going. Um, I also recognize it's not going to happen overnight, but I know where I'm going and it's just a matter of time. So, so give us a little glimpse. Where are you going? Well, um, I actually called my husband. He's, he's from South Lake, the east end of, of PEI. And I was driving up this summer with the kids in, in the back seat, And um, I just kind of had this epiphany. And I called him and I said, I, I just turned 37 this past August. And I said, um, just, just so you know, <laughs> fair, fair warning. Um, by the time I'm 40, I, I would like to have 10, 10 retail stores. So outside of the ones that we have right now. So whether that's all Gems Boutique, whether that's a combination of Gems Boutique and the Anna Green Gable store. Um, so that for me is, is one, one part. So that would also in, include um, developing our, our wholesale line, GoTo Clothing. As well right now, GoTo Clothing is about 35% of the entire inventory that we have at Gems Boutique. And uh, my five-year plan is that we would be 100% of the clothing in in Jen's boutique i also have my my pipeline kind of and i was actually just thinking about this one last night i would love to have a retail clothing store that does not have sizes on on the clothing so uh, navigating that business model and and what that looks like that's a that's a newer idea for me um but coming back to women and confidence and self-image and, and body image um i think it's possible i just have so- to so really just going in and going, this looks like it might fit without a yeah, size so, attached to it. Yeah, so, okay. so exactly. So the, the, yeah. first thing, the first thing, of course, would be that you'd have to have very, very knowledgeable staff. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, coding it or finding like another way other than sure. sizes. Yeah. Would still, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different, um, and, and this is a very uh, initial idea for me, but it's the one thing I keep coming back to. I leave the store so many days at the end of the day and say, oh my gosh. It would be so amazing 
if we didn't have size in our clothing because it can it's amazing to watch somebody's body language when they're in the fitting room people are petrified to go into the fitting room and i get it i've been there um but i think that would open up a lot more doors for people to come in and just create an even safer environment where women don't feel that immense pressure of what size they should be what size they once were what size they want to be and just letting go of all those numbers and and letters Julia, it is so inspiring to hear you talk about um, ways to change that industry that really, you know, we all have to wear clothes and we've all had those moments in changing rooms that are really more soul destroying than soul filling. So I appreciate that you are really so actively and presently focused on, on solving some of those challenges for us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I mean, as I say, anything, you know, that I, that I see in the store, it's, you know, only highlighted by the fact that I have 100% been there, been there myself. And, you know, and as you say, soul crushing, you know, looking at a number and that, that to me is just, gosh, we've, we've, and I, not to say it's easy to move past that. um, But I myself have really made a conscious effort to let go of the number I'm in and the size I'm in and the freedom. And I post about it because um, you know, if I can have one other person, I've had had people, you know, tell me that they, they too are on this journey of, of letting go of numbers, letting go of sizes and the freedom it, it, it gives, the freedom it has given me uh, has been absolutely life changing, really, really it has. So as we wrap up, um, tell me uh, where people can find you if they want to learn a little bit more. Absolutely. So I'll give you Gems Boutique is uh, Gems Boutique style and go to clothing. Our wholesale line that we feed through Gems is, is, is featured on there. So you will also be able to check that out. Our website is gemsboutique.ca. My personal handle uh, for, you know, empowerment and confidence is my Instagram handle is one and only jewels. And for the Anna Green Gable store, you can find us at www.anstore.ca and the Ann store on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Julia, thank you. This has been a pleasure. We'll put all of that in the show notes for people who don't have a pen right handy. Um, And while you're on the web, you can certainly pop over to SRL Solutions and uh, check out my website as well. There's lots of great offerings going on there and you can sign up for my newsletter. Finally, Julia, thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you'll subscribe where you listen to podcasts or join us here next week. Thank you for tuning in to Breakthrough. Be sure to join Sarah Roach Lewis again with another inspiring interview next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.